Yeah, and I don't think they know. Like, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, the forecasts are anywhere from like they, they would say like, oh, it might last 500 years, or it might last like 20,000. Really, like, they don't really know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But other other creatures are inhabiting the area, right? Like other animals are coming back. Yeah. So it's it's getting better. But the other crazy thing is like I think it's called Perpiat is the name of the city that was that was closest to the reactor. Mm-hmm. And uh, just yeah, kind of the same thing you were talking about, where like people disappeared. They were in the middle of daily life, right? Doing whatever they're doing for the day. And like all of a sudden the military rolls in and like just starts throwing them on buses. So like whatever they were doing at the time, they just like if we were podcasting right now, they would yeah. just, it would remain here. All right. That's you bizarre. didn't take anything. That's bizarre. So yeah, it's, it's crazy just to put yourself in those, in their shoes to yeah. think of what that would be like to just be uprooted immediately and never return to anything that, that you own. I, I have to say this and I, I don't know, we have a minute, a few minutes, like not to go down this rabbit hole, but um, you made me think of something. And I, I've taught, I, I've mentioned this to you maybe before, but like I was a student at Columbine uh, at the high school when that, when the incident happened in 99, right? 420. And um, I was in the building, but we had a very similar experience because when we evacuated um, the, you know, that we had not returned until later that summer. So like this happened April 20th we evacuated the building got out of there and and when we then the SWAT team came through and the FBI and whoever was doing the investigation they investigated and um i remember at the time i was in a computer lab and i was in track and so i had like a Gatorade bottle that was kind of like my water bottle and i had that sitting on the desk next to the computer and had my backpack and whatever else i had like my pen and pencil or paper and when we were welcome when we were allowed to go back in to get our possessions and how long, like how many, how many days had transpired or weeks? It was, it was several months. I think it months. happened in June or July. Yeah. I don't remember exactly now, but I think it was maybe in July. It was still during summer recess that they cleared everything and the investigation wrapped up and we were allowed to go back into the building. And so, yeah, they had like, kind of had this thing staged where we could come in and I went back into the room that I was in and it was fucking just eerie because everything was, was still there. Like, the bottle was still there. The backpack, the backpack just had a pink ribbon tied to it, basically meaning that they swept it for any kind of bombs or any materials. And it was, and it was, you know, they scanned it, but it was the, it was the most airy experience to even be gone for a few months and then be transported right back to that day and be like, Holy shit, man, like nothing. They didn't, they didn't lift a thing. Right. It was this very, very strange experience, especially something like that where, you know, like tons of people are through there all the time. Yeah. And yeah, nothing changed in a span of months. Yeah. And, and I didn't go down there uh, in the cafeteria. I think at that point they probably had cleaned up certain areas because that's where a lot of the like that's where a lot of the, you know, incident occurred was down there and in the library. But like I know for a fact, like for weeks, like the lunch, you could see through the windows, like people that had like, you know, long range cameras and could zoom in and stuff like all the lunches were still left on the table and all oh, that wow. shit. It's a full house here on the Coffee Code Cast. Welcome to episode 44 of the podcast where we talk about neither coffee or code. I'm Kyle Johnson. Hey, Kyle. I'm Mike Sheehan. And today on the cast, we have a special guest in the studio. He's a uh, currently an airframe and power plant mechanic, uh, certified structural welder, 
former F-16's weapons crew chief, did a tour in Iraq and two tours in South Korea. And he's a former Subway sandwich maker. <laughs> Please welcome to the cast our guest, our guest <laughs> Wyatt Kelso. Welcome to the cast. Hi there. Welcome. And you did forget, what was it? FedEx box loader. FedEx box loader. That's right. We talked about that because I was a UPS hub sorter. Maybe not around the same time, but in the same area. We were both in the Midwest, like you were doing it in Iowa, Lake Manawa. Yeah. And I was over in uh, Omaha at the UPS. Rival, rivalry there. A little, a little bit of a rivalry for a bit, but uh, pretty cool stuff. Also fellow Midwesterner, fellow Iowan. He's wearing the Hawkeye gear today. Yeah, I should have brought the GBR gear. I should have worn my Husker red <laughs> because both <laughs> you, I didn't realize that both of you bastards have been here at the same time sporting your Iowa. I, I, I dropped the ball on that one. But uh, hey, man, we're happy to have you here. So basically, uh, you, you, you're you switching roles, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but you, uh, in your current gig, like you uh, can fly uh, as, a, as a mechanic, like you can fly standby. And so you basically, what, rang up Kyle yesterday and said, hey, I'm going to come out and visit? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. I just loaded up my United app and said, oh, I, those free, free seats available, and just, oh, click. And booked. <laughs> I'm jealous, man. That's how, uh, well, I wouldn't get my miles if I had to go on standby, but I guess at that point, who cares? I could go anytime I wanted to. Yeah, and it's zero dollars to me. Yeah, exactly. Pretty sweet deal. For those that don't know why it is, uh, goes under the uh, online, what, moniker, pseudonym, handle, whatever you want to call it, uh, Gomer. So we talk about the Gomer a lot on the show, and uh, here he is today in, in the flesh. Long time listener. First time caller. Yeah. First time visitor yeah. to the cast. But see what happens if you if you listen to the cast, if you uh, <laughs> jump on the YouTube and on the Facebook and on the Slack uh, and you do it long enough, then we get to, you come get to come out here and hang out on the show. So how fun is that? Oh, you get Skittles in a beer. Yeah, exactly. You get a cider <laughs> there. We should have got you another one, man. You're going to run dry here. It's only five minutes in and he's already uh, his cup's less than half full here. We well, this is what happens when you actually accept the invites that we give here. Yeah. Hint, hint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm realizing I didn't do a very good job of setting this up, so I've got this like mic stand right in my face. I'm looking at the video. Well, I'll blame you for that. Yeah, I should have put it over here and then looked that way, but I was thinking then, yeah, I wasn't thinking. Now we know. We learned something new today. Yeah. How to set it up. So what the hell is going on, man? What have you guys been up to? I know you were, you were uh, playing hooky today. Yeah, I took the day off, uh, run around with this guy since he gave me like, you know, 24 hours notice. And uh, what did we do? We went to the Museum of Flight. We did. Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah. I and mean, what do you think about that? I've been once. It's pretty sweet, huh? Oh, it is. And they had a bunch of aircraft there, and I tried to teach him some stuff. I learned more about aircraft today than I've ever learned in my entire life. Well, I mean, he's the best guy to have with you when it comes to that. Yeah. Was it pretty busy there today? There was quite a few, mostly school school programs and stuff like that running through there. Yeah. It was pretty It was pretty thick. We did get to go by where all the, uh, what is it, seven, is it eight, seven max? All the grounded planes, whatever number. Oh, those seven are. three seven max. Three seven max. Mm-hmm. We did we did go by the lot that has all those parked in there. That's pretty impressive. Wow. <laughs> the number of planes that are back there. Yeah, all painted up and everything ready to go and just sitting. So they do that here, but there's also another strip where in, in the desert. Like it's in it's in the Calif well, it's somewhere in California. There is a it's actually where planes go to die, like when they're when they're um, beyond their service. Uh, limitations or I don't know what the determination is, but they get to their end of life and they basically fly them to this desert airfield. Mm -hmm. And I know that they have quite a few of the 737 maxes parked there right now as well. 
Um, it's just a very bizarre site. It's just a graveyard for old airplanes. I know I've definitely seen that. It looks like it's called Davis Monthan Air Force Base. Okay. Largest aircraft boneyard. Boneyard. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been? Ship. You've been in that area of the country before. I've never been, but I've heard you can take like a bus tour of the boneyard, more or less. But you can't get off for obvious reasons like safety and whatnot. They won't <laughs> let you just climb monkey around the planes or anything like that. No, no. A bunch of sharp edges and stuff. <laughs> but like it's still active, mainly for salvage purposes. The, you need an engine or whatever off this plane, you go and get the other engine. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, those things, how, how long can an engine last? Is it, how do they measure that? Is it in terms of hours flown, I guess? Uh, hours flown, cycles started, just things like that. Yeah. And so that usually will last longer than like other parts of the plane then? Well, it's like engines, landing gear, hydraulic pumps, anything and everything. Whatever you need to get. Yeah. Oh, very cool. We talked a fair bit about that today. I was kind of interesting that starts was something that they measured more so than like takeoffs or something like that, where you would think that more, uh, what would you call that? I don't know, like the damage to the engine, right? Or yeah, stress to the engine, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Would occur versus a start. You wouldn't think that wouldn't be so horrible. But. Well, those like igniters and everything like that, and the, air, the starter itself. So everything like that has to be measured. And... It puts in a cycle count. I just read uh, related to the 737 Max that is grounded because there there are delays on those orders and getting it back up and running. Uh, I know that Alaska announced that they were going to be reintroducing some of their what turboprop planes to fill in the gap there because they're now they're going to be running into uh, inventory issues pretty soon. What are they pushed out to now? January, something like that. I thought I read. It was at least a few more months. I, it wasn't going to happen anytime uh, in, in the near future here. Yeah. So bummer on that. Um, very cool. Uh, so you went to the flight museum today? Yep. And uh, I don't know. What else you guys got going on? When are you going back? Uh, tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yep. Quick, quick in and out. Got in yesterday, heading out tomorrow. Yeah, vacation only lasts so long. Yeah, man. And what's going on? You're, you're, you're transitioning too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, hopefully, pending background and whatnot. But yeah. I'm supposed to be starting a job in UPS next month in September Excellent. for NDOC and all that fun training classes. That's very cool. And that's in Louisville. Yeah. Home of the world port. Oh, man. Like, that's one place I want to go check out. And you're not so far from uh, from our, you know, home, what, or what do I want to say here, parent company. Lenny? Well, yeah. Our, yeah, right. Our, our HQ is yeah. out in... Uh, is out in Charlotte. About an hour. You're about an hour south, right? Yeah. Hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're you're in uh, uh, Columbia, uh, South Carolina. Yeah. You just take 77 North for an hour and change, and you're there. Interesting. Yeah, I heard too that we have quite a few because uh, Charlotte isn't uh, Charlotte's not too far from the border there. We actually have quite a few employees that reside down there. I, understand. I did hear that. Yeah. So learning all kinds of new stuff today. Hey, Cashmere Owens likes the coffee and codecast video. Thanks, Cashmere. <laughs> Congratulations on your recent promotion, too, by the way, if you're listening. Ah, Very cool. Well, let's move ahead, shall we, here? We got a little, a little follow-up. Well, I'm going to classify it as follow-up because, you know, we've, we talk a lot about the spin coffee maker here. Oh, yeah. You yeah. guys like to rub it in that I don't have this machine that I bought two yeah, years ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. Hey, speaking of uh, rubbing it in, where's our fucking Cheeto sandwiches, man? You didn't bring any for us today? You have KFCs up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm st- I don't know if I really would want it anyway, if you, even if you brought it. So whatever. It's yeah, fine. it's pretty bad. 
Uh, oh, Cash is on. She's like, hey, great lighting, guys. Thanks. This is the first time we've done, uh, we've had a guest in the studio with video, so we're kind of trying to figure it all out. And so this is a not the typical layout that we have, but, uh, you know, we're learning a little bit here. I'll probably move the mic stands next time so they're not blocking everyone's face, but... Uh, <laughs> Whatever, man. I threw this thing together pretty quick. I was taking a nap on the couches for about 30 minutes there and didn't put a lot of thought into it today. Well, something about faces for radio. But there's this oh. uh, Pico multi-brew that our maybe. good friend Rain and uh, co-worker Rain here uh, uh, shared with us recently. It's a pretty cool uh, rig. It, it, it will brew your coffee. This thing, I don't understand what this is. It's like a Swiss Army knife of brewing. Like, what the fuck is this thing? It's so like, it'll not only... so confusing. Yeah, so it'll not only brew your coffee, but it'll brew, it'll brew beer for you also. Yeah. Okay, so I can get coffee and beer from this single machine. It says the best. It'll do anything. It says like here, it's like kind of iterating through all the list of things that it would do. Well, now it went away, but it said like it would brew kombucha. Or Chai, pour over. There you go. Kombucha, horchata, yeah. tea, golden milk. I don't know if I want golden milk. <laughs> that sounds a little interesting. Oh, that's like the turmeric. That's what they do, the golden milk. It's like milk with turmeric. It's supposed to be good for your gut, good huh. gut health. All right. Never heard of that. Have you had any golden milk before? No. Yeah. Pass. All right. Well, it's good for your gut. That's all I know. I tried it once up in uh, Bellingham. I was up there for a day trip, and the coffee shop had that, and I thought, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm going to try it out. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, the thing about this, you're going to have to. It's it's a good thing that it does brew coffee for you, though. I'll tell you, because if you're waiting for it to brew beer, you're going to need to do something to kill the time. That takes a while. Like, how long does it take? A few weeks? A week? I don't know. I think... Well, and I think this is like a, an extension of a machine that they already have because they already have like a kind of um, appliance, if you will, that's like a just a beer brewer. Yeah. Right? I think that's kind of where they got their start. Okay. As far as I know, I think Rain has one of those. Yo, Rainmaker's well. on here right now. If you can fill us in on some of the details, like how long does it take to brew some beer on this thing? And, uh, well... It uses thermal, very, very sophisticated technology, precision and repeatability. The multi-brew uses thermal steam. Brad will see you in a little bit. He's going to step away for a bit. <laughs> Come on back. Don't be shy. Tell all your friends. Uh, it uses thermal steam injection technology to precisely control time and temperature through advanced brew programs, delivering unparalleled consistency. They need to get Johnny Ive on that one. Delivering unparalleled consistency. Well, they don't have the beaneries. You know, that the spin has available to it. It doesn't seem. I don't see anything about that. Yeah, they don't have, uh, what's his name, the coffee bean, that guy that they had? They oh, had, yeah. Remember they brought in that expert from <laughs> Argentina or something? I don't forget, I forget what that guy was called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to look at last week's show notes, man. It was like, I forgot his name too, but it was pretty pretty legit. So this is interesting, though. It looks more like a Keurig type system more so than like what yours is, because yours is whole bean. That's right. So mine, mine is really focused on solely coffee, uh, all types of coffee, and it, it's the whole process uh, self-contained. So it's really a matter of popping in the whole beans up top. Uh, you can go in and tell the machine what you have or upload the, the type of coffee that's in the machine, and it will download recipes for it, adjust temperatures very precisely, and all of that sort of thing to get you the, the ultimate brew for your bag of beans. Well, maybe I take that back. It does say that you can have a single-serve pack, which look more like the Keurig. Okay. But then there's multi-stage Pico packs, hmm. whatever that means. Some and proprietary then, thing. Yeah, and then they also have, like, standard paper filters, so you can do, like, typical drip-type coffee. So it does handle, apparently, uh, traditional just plain beans. Oh, I see that. So they do have a compostable Keurig-ish design. Yeah. The ecosystem, they call it. The pack ecosystem. Pico pack. Yeah. 
I like this idea, though, that it's a multi-beverage, not just coffee, but that, yeah, you can do beer. Uh, I mean, the, the photos look really good. They've got this app that goes with it and, and all the different uh, different beverages you can get. They have a beverage library for an unlimited world of choices. I don't see any pricing information on this particular machine, do you? Yeah, that's oh. always scary. <laughs> yeah, so far, no pricing. If you have to ask. At the bottom, it says, be the first to multi-brew. Yeah. And you'll get 50% off launch day discounts. So it's not available yet. No. Okay. Just announced. So these guys are in the same uh, same boat as you, sounds like, with the spin. Yeah. There's a lot of spin when it comes to home brewing devices, apparently, these days. <laughs> Bada boom. They all sound pretty awesome, but yep. until they hit the market. But hey, guys, over at Pico Brew, if you want to send us a prototype, too, we're very happy. Along with the spin coffee maker, we'll, uh, we'll give it an honest review. We'll sponsor Pico Brew. We'll give it a fair shake. Yeah. Head-to-head review. The head review. Yeah, that'd be a face-off between Pico Brew and Spin. I think that'd be a pretty cool episode, actually. So, uh, yeah, just send us over uh, your most expensive coffee uh, <laughs> brew machine, and we'll put it to the put it to the limit. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we've got the Gomer here, and one of his favorite segments of the show is the Spin Coffee Update, so I feel like we need to... Oh, bar none. We need to uh, make sure that he's well updated. Do I need to make up something for him, or what? <laughs> is the update once again that there is no update? Well, I thought I gave one last week, man. That's they, they only do them every month, you know. Shipping's imminent, remember? Oh. Uh, well, then you should have a shipping notification in your mailbox right now. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Let me see how imminent it is if I pop open the old the old thing here. Spin, spin, machine updates, July seventeenth. Yeah, that's where they talk about this dude. Where's he at? Wooter. That's right. <laughs> Wooter Brunia, a.k.a. the coffee nose. The nose. The nose. He's, he's been certi- his nose has been certified by the Specialty Coffee <laughs> Association. And, That's uh, some marketing fluff if I ever heard it. He's a resident trainer at the Amsterdam Coffee Lab and teaches students around the globe in brewing and barista skills, sensory skills, green coffee, and roasting. Somalia for coffee. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. basically. He's your guy. There's only one of them. It's Wooter, and he's in Amsterdam. you got to check him out there. Yeah, uh, that's really all it is. You know, like there was, they were talking about the pro water line connection, how they have that. They were talking about the package testing, the pro bean reservoir, the water tank, uh, you know, the milk frother. So the pro model has a milk frother that's a separate unit that comes with it. And uh, it does hot and cold foam recipes. And um, they're showing final design images in this update, a lot of images. Uh, the endurance test for the grinder been functioning flawlessly. The the packaging test, like they're beating the shit out of these packages just to make sure they're ready to go. Vibration test to simulate transit vehicle vibrations. I mean, they're they're very thorough over at Spin about all these things, which is why it takes three years for the for the MVP to come out. So you know, they're uh, they're they're very, being very thorough in their testing and shock test for packaging, puncture resistance testing. And edge crush testing and blah, 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 blah. They launched a new spin blog called Spill the Beans. Number one source for a spin coffee. Whether you want to catch up on roaster or market news, you can rewatch spin videos and improve your barista skills with our popular coffee recipes or learn more about coffee trivia. Improve your barista skills. I thought it was supposed to do all that for you. Well, that's kind of what I thought too. But right now, since I don't have it, I have to be my own barista. So that's what that's all about. But it's the Spill the Beans blog. That's interesting. We can always put a link in there for that. Um, I do like their software. Their app is very cool. They have uh, 
the app that runs the machine, and then they also have the spin marketplace. And so uh, everybody that bought a machine gets some level of spin credits on the marketplace, and then you can get uh, locally curated, you know, like like beans from all over the United States. Two hundred. I think that was in a previous update. They had like over two hundred. I think uh, different beaneries, beaneries, as we call them, the technical term. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm looking at the blog right now. They have a spin coffee martini recipe. Uh, that's flat liner. That looks cool. Uh, what else? Nah. Roasting. Six ways coffee can make you more productive. You know, no shit. Um, <laughs> the key to the best cup of coffee going straight to the source. Yeah, interesting. Well, they're probably gonna have some more stuff there later, but they do have recipes and. And the marketplace and some other things in there too. Well, good. Does that satisfy your need for spin updates? Oh yes. He seems very satisfied now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As a non-coffee drinker, that that hits the spot. I think you'd be more interested in the Pico Brew spitting out some uh, lager right about now. That's right. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the news, shall we? Yeah. Let's do it. Well, I wanted to kick this one off because I mentioned it last week. Um, I don't know if it was during the show or after the show, but uh, SpaceX had another launch with Falcon 9. This was uh, yesterday, and this was a follow-up mission uh, to a mission that went on the Amos 6 mission back in 2016. Uh, this was a, um, oh, it was a heavy satellite that they were going to launch. I don't remember who the customer was, and uh, the rocket exploded, and so a failed mission. And fast forward three years, and so now they're giving them a freebie. The Amos 17 launch happened yesterday. And this was a different mission because this was, uh, it was successful, by the way. And um, there were a couple of cool things that came out of this. But the first thing is that it was an expendable mission. So basically, the, the payload was six and a half tons, which is um, a rather large payload for SpaceX up to this point, I think. Maybe their heaviest. But uh, because of that, the. You know, usually they try to recover the, the stage and they were unable to do so with this one because they had to use every ounce of fuel uh, to propel this thing, um, you know, into its proper orbit. So there was not enough fuel left in the reservoir to bring the piece back down and have it land on on uh, what do they call that uh, that landing pad? It's uh, of course, I still love you. That's what it's called. Is it really? Yeah. Of course, I still love you. That's the name of the uh, barge that captures the, the, the retrieval vehicle. Is this so? Is this not the Falcon Heavy? Because I thought the Heavy was supposed to be the one that was taking up the really heavy payloads. Well, okay, so that's a good point. Um, maybe this is just like for the, you're you're right. Falcon Heavy is the is the big boy, and so maybe it's just the case that for Falcon Nine, this is the yeah yeah yeah. And and maybe yeah, I'm guessing. I don't know. This is pure conjecture here, but I'm guessing since it was a free trip, that maybe they were like, hey, we have some old <laughs> Falcon Nine parts kind of in the in the storage shed. Let's just shoot it up into space and. Instead of like burning a Falcon Heavy, because I think the cost to do that is probably quite considerably more. Since like a Falcon Heavy has what? Um, oh, the Merlin engines. They have so many more of the Merlin engines. It's like uh, a grid of like, they have like three sets of nine Merlin. And so 27 in total. Wow. Um, and so that's probably what it is. That's probably for massive, massive payloads. Like that's what shot up the Tesla. But uh, yeah, they used the Falcon 9 to get this guy into space. It was an expendable mission. The cool part about it, though, was the fairing. So the cover that hides the payload or protects the payload when it's going into space, um, it comes off in two pieces first before the payload is is deployed. And they had a successful capture of the fairing pieces. Um, They have a couple boats that actually um, 
go zooming around in the ocean, like trying to track these things down in air, and and they're big nets, yeah. big V-shaped nets. Uh, it says uh, Ship M was the name. Ship M. Yep. Was the recovery vehicle? Oh yeah, you're right. I see that. So uh, yeah, they got half the nose cone um, for the second time, and I don't know. I guess they only got one half. Okay. Well, fifty percent ain't bad. They said it looks like they tried to recover the rocket stage. And if they would have been able to successfully do that, that would be three times for that particular rocket. Oh, really? Is what I was saying here, yeah. Wow. So this is pretty fascinating, actually, especially having just been to the um, Air Museum Mm. down at Boeing, because they have a number of different uh, uh, space vehicles. They have the Apollo 11 command module there right now. Um, They have a number of rocket boosters that are on display that, that never were used in an actual launch, but they were kind of test rocket boosters. And standing next to those things and realizing just how massive they are. And then there was, what, five of them, I think it said, on the, on the Apollo missions? I'm pretty sure it was five. Uh, on the Apollo 11, it was five. Yeah. So five of those, and you're talking about 20. Yes. 20-something? 20 27. I don't know the size of each engine relative. Yeah. But I know that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive scale. Well, really, too, if you... The sonic boom that you hear when... And people are miles away, right? And you can feel it hear it it's it would be a pretty awesome experience to go out there and witness something like that on the ground there was some pretty interesting reading you know next to those things that was talking about just the the amount of noise that the engine's burning makes because what what did it say it was dropping some crazy amount of fuel per second i don't remember what the number was but basically the, the, the sheer amount of fuel that it was burning makes so much noise that it could damage the engine itself yeah. Uh, due to the noise, they, they kind of made it akin to like an opera singer breaking a glass. Wow. You know? Yeah. But on a much higher scale. And yeah, they said they could, you know, it could damage things miles away just because of the volume. I'm curious to know. I was looking at a close up photo of the launch pad and they have a series of towers. It looks like four towers in a square configuration with some cabling between them. And I'm wondering what that does, like what the purpose of that is. This is SpaceX launch pad? Yeah. And I don't know, you can look that up. But one thing I was going to point out, I was watching another interview with Elon yesterday on, on the old YouTube, and he was talking about if it wasn't for the Apollo mission, for Apollo 11, he's not sure that SpaceX would even be a company. He remembers being a boy and, and witnessing that uh, historic event. And they also um, get to launch from the same pad, 39A, in Cape Canaveral. So that was like... Him totally geeking out, just being like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Like, we, we're, we're actually in this space, and we can, we're even using the same launch pad. So it says here, according to Stack Exchange, uh, those are used to redirect lightning in the immediate area. So it says it essentially oh, creates a Faraday cage yeah. around the rocket um, uh, to ensure that, you know, there's no risk of lightning hitting the aircraft. Muy interesante, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool shit. Okay. Learn something new every day here, man. That's impressive, though. I see there's a video here. Does it have the same, like, crazy multicolored, like, splatter in the sky that, it, that, that they keep creating when they launch their rockets over L.A.? You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. What is that about? There's, like, these really cool, like, color. I think it's when, like, the second stage ignites or something like that. Like, usually it's over L.A. or in the area where L.A. can see it. Mm-hmm. And it'll create this really awesome, like, show of light that is pretty unique. I don't think I've ever seen it from anything else. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's SpaceX launches, I think, that are doing that. But wow. Okay. I guess the video here is just a retrieval. It's not the launch. So yeah, 
I'll see if I can find that and link it up. Yeah, find that shit, damn it. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, well, yeah, space. So that was a cool mission. The mission uh, was successful, and yeah, they lost the the first stage, but whatever. Yeah, SpaceX Falcon 9 uh, is the one that I was thinking of, and I'll kind of show you here. We'll have to post a link to it, but I'll show you what I was talking about. If it looks, if it's the video I'm hoping for. It was an Israeli satellite. Oh, okay. What was? The Amos 17 was an Israeli satellite. Oh, okay. Well, this is black and white, so it doesn't look really cool, but it creates this, like, these weird, like, protruding. or something. Yeah. It looks really, really cool in actual color. Here, maybe it'll be a better one, but this is pretty riveting for the podcast. Oh, look, everybody. Ha! Nobody can there see anything. There we go. This one, will, this one will show it really well. Just makes a bunch of color. And it just kind of keeps spreading out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, post the link to that. I'm sure people would like to see what the hell's going on. Over yeah. There. That's great, dude. All righty. Well, uh, what else we got going on here? Well, we got a former subway worker here. And so one of the next items oh. in the news hey. is uh, Subway's joining the meatless revolution. What do you think about the meatless revolution, Gomer? I am pro meat. Okay. Well, have, you, have you tried the meatless revolution? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You try all these other horrible concoctions that they come up with, Cheeto sandwiches and whatnot. I mean, it's debatable Why? if that's even meat right there. Which? The Cheetos chicken sandwich. They, they bred chicken and Cheetos. It's, oh, okay. They bred the Cheetos? The chicken and the Cheeto. Oh. All right, so it's real meat in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure. Still chicken. What if you didn't know that they had swapped it out for, you know, meatless meat? But that would so be an interesting test. Yeah, we should have had. We should have done that. We, we should have done a little blind test for the Gomer here. Should have organized a taste test. Ah, oh, uh, shit! Opportunity wasted. We'll never know now. Um, yeah, meatless revolution. Subway's coming out with uh, their latest now to join. Uh, it, who is it? It's beyond, not beyond me. It's the other one. Impossible. Impossible, right? Impossible Foods. This is going all over the place. Like, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, and there's a, quite a number of chain restaurants that have picked this up. And I'm even seeing it now at some of the smaller local restaurants have Impossible Burgers. So it's picking up steam. Uh, it looked pretty good. So they're coming out with a meatball sub that's going to be using the meatless, uh, the, the Impossible Meat. Uh, it's going to launch in 692 stores in a limited trial starting in September. I don't know how many uh, franchises Subway has. Certainly thousands. Uh, I don't know what percentage this represents. But, yeah, 692 restaurants are going to be getting the, the new meat option, meatless option here in about a month. Yeah. Uh, I remember years ago, 05 and since, there was a big old stamp on the box that says soy meatballs. So I don't know how. Soy meatballs. Yeah, ever since 05. So they were they were um, maybe doing the meatless thing before it was a cool thing to do. Could be. Maybe they're just finally publicizing it. But if <laughs> I mean it might be that they're going now to instead of a soy product to the to whatever the the plant-based. What is this? Oh, special guest Matthew Schleyer is in here. What's he say? what's he got to say? Feel like there's some jokes in this section. What the hell is he talking about? What are you talking about, Slayer? <laughs> what are you talking about? Thanks for joining us on the cast. I think this is uh, Slayer's first time joining the cast. Well, welcome. We've talked about him a number of times. Oh, he's talking about like some meatball jokes or something. Do you have any good meatball jokes for us? <laughs> Soy balls? I don't know. Oh, boy. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. This is a uh, family-friendly show, Slayer. I keep all the dirty talk over at the bar after work. 
after the show. After the show. That's yeah. the post show. Meatless revolution. Yeah, exactly. We could go. We could do a lot with that. So, would you try meatless meatless meat? I did try to go. I wouldn't say vegetarian, but meatless for a week, and it ended very awful for me myself. No bueno. No. Well, I couldn't what do were that you either. Beer? Just drinking beer for a week, or what was it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just cereal and beer and mac and cheese. I can't imagine <laughs> what could go wrong. I yeah. mean. Talk about the fundamental components of nutrition there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got your carbohydrate with your liquid carbohydrate with your cheesy carbohydrate. What the hell could go wrong? And then a little milk for protein. Oh, there that you go. It. You got the protein. That's right. Yeah. And a little vitamin. Maybe a little cheese for yeah. protein too, L- right? A little bit yeah. of life. A little bit of life in there. A little cow's milk on top of all that. Well, you didn't answer the question. Would you try meatless meat? I'd, I'd consider it. Yeah? I think that needs to be the next goal and you need to report back to us because you're our resident food advisor here oh this is a very sad state of affairs <laughs> if he's our resident advisor yeah yeah well we're getting some corny jokes from our from our guest last time here zach zach's on here he goes where where does hamburger patties like to dance oh boy the meatball oh i was gonna guess oh. in between the buns wah, wah, wah. I don't, oh, oh boy <laughs> hey oh shit okay uh earmuffs kids earmuffs <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, uh, I don't so, know what else to say about it. Well, uh, a couple other things is Carl Jr. We talked about other like kind of franchises that are doing this too. Carl's Jr.'s also is selling uh, meatless meatless burger made from Beyond Meat. Yeah, so that's the other. It's Impossible and Beyond Meat, right? Those are the two big players. That's right. Yeah, those are the big two. Yeah, so it just keeps coming. Like I think every major chain restaurant, at least fast food chain restaurant, I think has something on the menu mm-hmm. utilizing that. And you've tried it. I did try it. I, it was at a, oh, what's the name of the place? It, it was a smaller, I don't think it's a chain, or if it is, it's a small chain, but it's in the U District. There's a burger place over there, and uh, they happen to have it on the menu. Well, this was a little controversial, too, because uh, Impossible was trying to expand their reach, and so they were working with, well, we, we talked about it, Red Robin. They were uh, doing some stuff with White Castle. Now they got a huge deal with Burger King, and because of that, they had to scale back and actually rip the product out of a lot of these smaller businesses uh, from under these small businesses. And a lot of these guys were saying, look, we made a big investment in this and we've been marketing and all this kind of stuff. And then like, oh, all of a sudden Burger King comes along and you just like take all the product from us. And now we they're pretty upset about that, understandably so. But it seems like they're they must be getting caught up on the supply side. Otherwise, how could they do the meatballs with Subway? I mean, it's a pretty big launch, even at a trial level, right? Yeah. I mean, I think Subway is one of the top, what, one, two, three, you know, chain restaurants there probably is in the world, I, I would guess. They're in a the decline now. I don't know. They were. I know Chick-fil-A is number three in the nation right now. Top, uh, top restaurant franchises. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that they'd have some supply issues, especially as they kind of get ramped up and get things going. But what did you think about it? So, like, you, you tried it, and I, and I feel like I talked to you about it, and maybe it wasn't uh, as good as you had hoped. Well, I just need to have a better comparison, I think. It, it was really – I did – okay, I tried it twice. I had it once at a uh, – Chipotle has – or is it Qdoba? I think it's Qdoba. They wow. have uh, they have a uh, – the meatless option now as well. So you can get that product in a burrito or burrito bowl. And so I did, I did that once and that was hard to tell because you got so much sauce and other things in there to mask the flavor. Anyway, you're not getting much of it. The texture seemed to be about the same. Uh, when I tried the burger at the other place, I don't know it to me, it, it did seem a little different. I don't know if I could really 
put a label on it at this point, but it just didn't seem to be quite the same. Maybe it was a little grittier. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to try it again. It's been a little while now, but it definitely, it was okay. Um, I ate it. It was fine, but it did, definitely just had a little difference to it. I'd be interested to try something mainstream like a Whopper and see what that's like. I've, I've heard at least from kind of different sources is that it's, it's much like tofu. So kind of whatever you mix it with, it tends to take on the flavor of that a little bit or, uh, and obviously if you spice it, but yeah, yeah, I haven't tried it myself. I've seen it a couple of places and I've kind of thought about it, but never pulled the trigger. Yeah, right, right. Definitely would like to though. Yeah, I want to try it out. Uh, I think it's cool. I'll probably try the Subway one. It's kind of fun to try the different varieties of what's out there and see what's working and what doesn't. Uh, yeah, the old meatball sub. I haven't had a meatball sub in, in years anyway. Maybe if the old Pioneer Square here one, we can yeah. all make a, make a little work trip, work yeah. lunch. I hope they have it here. We should find out what restaurant has it in Seattle. I would think one Subway has to have it somewhere around here. I don't know if it's this one. These guys are kind of shady over here. <laughs> Their bread's always a little old. and Oh, well, Subway itself doesn't is, seem to slow you down from going there, though. I know it's just because it's convenient. But I tell you what, I gets I'm still I'm still like I'm weaning off of this. But I, I used to be a real big Subway guy when they had the five dollar footlong promotion going on. And that's since gone away. I mean, that's been what a few years now since they've done that. So now you go to Subway and it's cost you like nine bucks, ten bucks, whatever. Uh, it's like a regular lunch. I mean, it's still on the cheap end of lunches, right? If, uh, compared to sitting down somewhere. But it's not the subway that it used to be. Where I could go in there with a five dollar bill and just say, "Hook me up," you know, yeah. oven roasted chicken breast, foot long, all the veggies. So, uh, but yeah, their their franchise is hurting quite a bit. I think that's a big part of it. They tried doing breakfast like in twenty ten, that didn't really did take that die off. already. They, they still have it, but it's just not a big, it's not a big ticket item. I remember breakfast way before twenty ten though. Was it maybe maybe they like oh. Seven oh eight. Wow. Okay. So I might be. I'm mistaken on that. Uh, it, yeah. Maybe it did start a lot. Start a lot earlier. Yeah. I remember having to open and start the breakfast for the eggs and stuff. And it was, really, oh, yeah. hmm. there were a few things about it that just seemed kind of. Um, I didn't mind their their wrap. Like the breakfast wrap was fine, you know. But there were, it, it's a limited option, uh, and their coffee was just some. I don't even know what the hell it was. It was like a carafe kind of a coffee. I didn't. I think even for a while there, they were just doing Keurig. Actually, they had Keurig coffee machines. Yeah, and so you know, like it's maybe just I could see that being a difficult sell when you've got Starbucks charging you five bucks for their like premium, you know, artisanal coffees, and versus like a Keurig pod that costs you like three bucks or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to bring that up since we, we don't usually talk about Subway on the Coffee and Codecast, but since you brought it up, I just had recently seen a CNBC uh, video clip on the old YouTube where all the good news comes from. And uh, <laughs> they were just talking about how it's been a real difficult uh, time for Subway. And, you know, they don't have breakfast. They, I mean, their breakfast isn't really doing well and they don't have the $5 foot long. And um, interestingly enough too, like just there is, there's no, I didn't know this, but as far as franchises are concerned, if you wanted to open a franchise, it's in the contract that uh, they can put those things wherever the fuck they want to put them. So like if they want to put one, upstairs they could put another one upstairs or if they wanted to put one next door like you don't have control over your territory at all and so that's been a problem too because in some areas like in lower manhattan for example in like a certain block radius a pretty small you know maybe within a half of a mile there's like something like 10 or 12 subway restaurants and so uh what happens is is like the you know subway the parent company is reaping the benefits because they get their cut from all of those revenues 
but then it gets diluted between restaurants. So instead of going to the one on this block, like now that there's three of them you can choose from, you know, in theory, they could be getting a third of their revenues um, because of that. So that's been an issue. And then compared to Mickey D's, like just the amount of money that a store brings in, I think the average Subway, uh, well, McDonald's brings in something like 1.2 million in revenues uh, per location a year. And a Subway is like 400,000 bucks. <laughs> that's not, yeah. Mm. So, you know, think about that. And, and I imagine that you're, you maybe your startup costs are less because you don't have to have the fryers and all the equipment. I think it's probably more money to get into a Mickey D's. I think you need a million bucks or 750 to get into one of those. But, um, your subway's got to be less because it's all just cold storage, right? And they got a couple turbo chefs. Yeah, something like that. Right? Is that what those are called? I think so. Hmm. You Gomer would know. I don't know. The little. I haven't operated that thing in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what they are. The turbo chef is just, uh, yeah, wham, bam, like 10 seconds later. Like It's kind of like back to the future. Remember that one when they like take the little, little pizza out of the foil pack and they put it into the hydrator? <laughs> and like five seconds later, it's a steaming hot pepperoni. Marty, your pizza's pizza. ready. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that's what the turbo chef is. That's that, that was the uh, vision. And the reality is the turbo chef. It didn't quite work out according to plan, but still pretty impressive though. So uh, yeah, son is, son is washing the video out. Um, oh yeah, Brad's back. He said, hey, I missed the burger stuff. Try the Beyond Burger. Take you up to the Smith Tower for lunch, guys. Well, Smith that would be Tower great. Smith Tower has the burger, huh? I do want to try it there because I've done it at a few places now, like I said, um, but I haven't tried the Smith Tower uh, burger. So, Brad, we should do that when you're back, uh, you know, when you are when you got a little free time, which you know, who, that might be a while, but <laughs> if you can squeeze in a lunch in the next few weeks, we should do that. That'd be pretty cool. I'd love to check that out. I haven't even been to the Smith Tower yet either, so. Looks like, uh, just for kind of clarification, because we talked about this a bit ago, Subway is number one uh, in terms of uh, franchise locations uh, really with 42,998 that sounds like bullshit to me he said next week that's great i'll book it man um mcdonald's follows with 37,200 no way starbucks is next with 30,000 this is like 2019 numbers that's what it says that is that blows my mind i thought for sure mcdonald's would be kfc is in fourth wow which it doesn't surprise me because kfc if you go if you travel internationally they're freaking everywhere well, McDonald's would be number one in terms of revenue, I would think, then. Yeah, this is strictly on franchise locations. Just, just like number of locations. Right. Okay. And that's, and that's domestic also. That. Or is that. Is it that says everywhere? in the world. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's probably right, because think about that. I mean, where would you put 42,000 locations, like, in the U.S.? That's, that's like, well, you could, though. I don't know, man. That's, like, less than 100 a state. I don't know. That's fascinating, man. I didn't know that. But the revenue, on the revenue side, I think, I think the sun's done washing out the video, Rain. It should be better now. Um, interesting stuff. Well, the coffee code and franchise cast. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting topic, actually. Well, I know McDonald's owns all the land that all the franchisees That's are right. On. That's right. They're like, they are a top... They are landowner. The, yeah, they are the number one landowner in the world, I believe. Well, that's, wow. what, that's what I thought. I thought they were up there, and I was looking into it a little bit, and it seems like if they're not number one, they're among the top. There was some – I don't remember what else they were saying, but, yes, like it's, it's amazing. that they're, they're really a real estate company first and a restaurant second, and uh, that's not how they're typically thought of. And they have a lot of prime real estate, right? They're on corners everywhere, so yeah. in pretty prime location. They are, yeah. And I know uh, – um, I don't know what I was going to say. I just lost my train of thought. 
I was looking at down here, and Zach had made a comment about Jimmy John's is where it's at. I do like the firehouse. Hmm? Firehouse. What is the firehouse? Oh, I don't know the firehouse. Firehouse subs? Oh, I've heard of them, but I don't think I've ever had one of those. Uh, Missing out. Is that like a Quiznos or something? Uh, Kind of. Well, Zach says, how does that work if McDonald's is in the airport? And they don't, I don't think it's exclusively land owned. I know that they do lease some land. And and matter of fact, uh, in my neck of the woods in Omaha, where I have that rental property, uh, just a block to the north, there's a McDonald's on 40th over there by the, uh, by the uh, gas station over there. And I know the guy that actually owns the land. And so they pay him a lease. They lease it from him for a pretty penny. Like the guy actually does pretty well for just like sitting on a piece of land. So I just I think when they can buy they do, but if they can't then and they want the location because it's desirable enough, then they'll just uh they'll lease it out. I don't know. I'm just making shit up here, man. <laughs> yeah, we I think we beat this topic to death here. So right. I think we maybe should move on. Unless you got anything to add. Nah, I'm good. All right. Sweet, man. Yeah, we haven't heard a whole lot from you, man. Uh, you, is there anything else you want to tell us about? Anything you're excited about come, come up here? Or any interesting anecdotes about the airline industry in general? There's a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to say it online. I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing <laughs> you in the spot, right on the spot here. All right, very cool, man. Um, well, shall we move it along, Kyle? How are we doing on time? I don't have a look of the time anymore. Yeah, we got about a good 20 minutes here, or about 18 minutes. 18 minutos. So we're good to go. Do you want to talk about what we're watching or reading? Maybe start with that. Yeah, let's start with that, man. I, I do. Um, I'm reading some good stuff right now. So I had been, I'd taken a hiatus from reading for a Likewise, while. Likewise, yeah. I hadn't been doing a whole lot of that. I was binge watching me some uh, backcracker videos on the old YouTube. <laughs> We've talked plenty about that. Some really good stuff there. And then, uh, no, but I started getting into some shows again. I'm watching a series right now on HBO called The Leftovers. It's an older series. It's a few years old now. I think it came out four or five years ago, maybe. And uh, the premise of it, if you're not familiar, is that in the in the first episode, there's a there's some kind of catastrophic event that happens and two percent of the world's population just disappears. Oh, I think I've heard about this series before. Maybe yeah. you told me about it. Yeah, there's I think there's three seasons now that are out. I'm on the second season. I just started the second uh, the other night. But yeah, effectively, people are you know, driving or doing whatever they're doing. They're, they're doing stuff. And then all of a sudden 2% of the people are gone. And so cars are crashing and babies disappearing and it's just, they evaporate into thin air. And so it's a whole thing about like what happened and yeah. So their bodies disappear from, from they just, the earth or whatever, but everything, whatever they were doing or whatever they were interacting with continues. Right. It says it was. Yeah. And so, and so there's this, there's a big, uh, kind of divide here like between the town people because there's a group that kind of um, don't want to remember everybody's grieving in their own ways but then there's this group that is kind of a cult that doesn't want anyone to forget and so they do all kinds of shenanigans they they have their own little cult basically where they wear white and they don't talk to each other they have to like write notes to communicate back and forth and they all smoke cigarettes or chain smokers and then they like go into people's homes and take photographs out of the picture frames at night and do some weird shit and so yeah it's a real a uh, of a dystopian kind of a series there. And did you say this was on HBO or where was it? Yeah, The Leftovers is what it's called. The Leftovers. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, just got through the first season. It's kind of, it, it's, it's pretty cool, man. It's a, a supernatural mystery drama. And it, it started, it, it came out in 2014. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, it's a little weird, but 
kind of neat too. It's a little bit like, well, there, there's another one that I was watching that's still out there. Uh, what's the plain one? Manifest. It's a little different. Manifest was, was is a new series that came out last year on one of the networks. I, I don't know if it's NBC or whatever, but it was a similar deal where, um, you know, uh, this flight disappeared. And so, like, to the people, like, on the ground, the flight was gone for five years. And they just presumed everyone was dead because they couldn't find it, kind of like a Malaysia like the three seven MH three seventy flight, right? Nobody knew what happened, uh, and so they kind of went on with their lives. People got remarried, like da da da, and then like, but to the people on the plane, like there was no lapse in time. So like they, they like land, and all of a sudden get off the plane. It's five years in the future, and people are now freaking out, like, "Whoa, what happened? How are you alive? What's going on? Like we've all moved on." A little different twist, but kind of a similar thing where people just disappear and then come back later. Manifest. I'm going to look that one up. That sounds yeah. interesting, too. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, you recommend both of those? I do. I really like Manifest right now. Um, but this Leftovers one, it's a little darker. It's kind of interesting because they're, I mean, they're not, I don't think they're coming back. I'm pretty sure that's not part of the plan. So um, it's, it's, yeah, there's, it's just kind of, uh, how do you say it? Like, there, it's, it's one of those shows, too, that's not really trying to bring any satisfaction to the viewer at the end. So there's just a lot of stuff that happens that's really shitty or, um, unsolved. And so you, you know, it's not like, Oh, there's a pretty bow at the end and everybody gets reunited and lives happily ever after. It's a good show. Very cool. That's on NBC as well. I just looked that one up real quick. Right on. Thanks for um, checking that out. So I'll make sure to put these into the notes as well. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Wyatt, what are you watching? Anything of interest? Uh, nothing new, just uh old Cheers reruns on the Netflix. Oh, nice. Do they have all the cheers episodes on Netflix these they, days? They do. How like, many seasons? Were I was there? just going to ask oh, that question like too. Seven, eight, nine, something like that. That's a lot of norm, man. Holy yeah. shit! Oh, and it's great. It's great. Who's your yep. favorite character? Cliff, by a landslide. Oh, Cliff Clavin. Yep, Cliff, and then Woody. Oh, Woody. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you spend a lot of time on YouTube, though, right? Uh, every once in a while, I, I, I dabble. Yeah. Nothing specific. Just kind of let it take you where it takes you. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm good on YouTube's. All right. Yeah. Well, I've been watching um, something that we talked about, I think, before, or at least we've talked with Michelle here in the office about, and and that's Chernobyl, uh, the HBO mini docu series. Oh, man. I'm about two and a half episodes through that. Really? Um, I haven't started yet. I want to hear about this. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's intense. Um, it's it's very well done, and and I've learned a lot about the disaster that I had no clue uh, about. And uh, it's it's kind of eye-opening just about, like, arrogance, I guess you might say, right? Like, the sheer arrogance of some of these people as... as maybe, and maybe that's not factually accurate. Maybe this is all, like, made up for, you know, to make it more of a drama. It seems to be spot on from what I hear, it? though. It's a okay. fairly accurate depiction, right? But, yeah, just, like, uh, as the accident kind of starts to unfold and, and people start to kind of figure out pieces of the pie and that, oh, maybe maybe the reactor did explode, Right for the longest time, none of them believe it. Like they will flat out say, Nope, that's impossible. It cannot happen. Yeah. And they'll be like, you go down and walk to it and see it for yourself. And then they'll come back and they're like radiation burned. Right. Cause they've been standing out in the radiation totally exposed and they'll come back and they're bloody and they're, they're dying. Wow. And the guy will be like, Nope, that's impossible. Take him to the infirmary. Somebody else go. Right. And they just keep doing that over and over Shut and over up. and over for like more than 24 hours. Like they're, they just won't believe it. 
No way. So dude. yeah, just like the arrogance of the guys is, is pretty fascinating. Um, the other thing that I didn't know about is, is there's kind of three guys, um, and I don't have their names here, but um, that are kind of the heroes of the entire thing, which I, I didn't know this story. I don't know if you ever heard about this. No. The, the initial explosion of the reactor is what you know caused the, the damage that we know today. Um, but apparently they were pouring water on it to try and put out the fire. And all the water was draining into a coolant tank that's below the reactor under this massive concrete pad. Okay. So they start pouring, like, I think it was borax and sand on top of the reactor to uh, smother the fire. But it doesn't smother or doesn't stop the burning of the fuel that's underneath it. And eventually that was going to burn through the pad, the concrete, and hit this water. And apparently when this water, when it would have hit this water, that would have created a explosion that was many, many, many times bigger than what initially exploded. Oh, shit. So it would have destroyed the additional reactors that are still there and were still running at the time um, and would have basically made much of Europe and pretty much all of Russia and much of the area uninhabitable. Like, it would have been a huge disaster. Really? So these three guys, um, they basically volunteered to dive into this radioactive water underneath the reactor and find the, the drains and drain the water no shit um and so they basically went on a suicide mission to save you know whoa like an eighth of the world probably really yeah and they had to know and they're kind of unknown you know like you don't know their names right right which is crazy don't know anything about that. no i need to get into it and i keep making excuses i want to see it i i've made the excuse that i'm just not in the mood for that kind of a thing right now it is rough it's a it's a rough thing you know, it, it's not a feel good. It's yeah. not a feel good thing at all. Right. So, but I do need to make time to watch it. And, and because, you know, yeah, Michelle's been big on it and, she, you know, I want, she's gotten me excited about it. So I need to turn it on and watch it. And, and it's a huge topic right now. I was in, when I was in Portland and I went to Powell books, of course, in the bookstore, they had a section like just for that type of stuff. And they had uh, various books on the incident and that sort of thing. So I should check it out while it's hot. Yeah, it's bringing a ton of interest back to the to the site, right? And, yeah. and people want to visit it now, and, and people are doing stupid stuff now, too, and taking, like, inappropriate pictures and just doing stupid stuff. Wow. You know, and, and like, people are like, be respectful. This is the, you know, tons of people died here, right? And yeah. and also, too, like, this this radiation, I mean, this shit lasts for, like, thousands, tens of thousands of years. Like, like what, 20,000 years is the half-life of this or something, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. What the hell? Yeah. This isn't, you can't just like wipe that away and right. rain isn't going to wash that out, man. Like 20,000 years. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think they know. Like, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, the forecasts are anywhere from like, they, they would say like, oh, it might last 500 years or it might last like 20,000. Really? Like they don't really know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But other, other creatures are inhabiting the area, right? Like other animals are coming back. Yeah. So it's, it's getting better. But the other crazy thing is like, I think it's called Pripyat is the name of the city that was, that was closest to the reactor. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, yeah, kind of the same thing you were talking about where like people disappeared. They were in the middle of daily life, right? Doing whatever they're doing for the day. And like all of a sudden the military rolls in and like just starts throwing them on buses. So like whatever they were doing at the time, they just like if we were podcasting right now, they would yeah. just, it would remain here. All right. That's you bizarre. didn't take anything. That's bizarre. So yeah, it's, it's crazy just to put yourself in those, in their shoes to yeah. think of what that would be like to just be uprooted immediately and never return to anything that, that you own. I, I have to say this, and I, I don't know, we have a minute, a few minutes. Like, 
not to go down this rabbit hole, but um, you made me think of something. And I, I've taught, I, I've mentioned this to you maybe before, but like I was a student at Columbine uh, at the high school when that when the incident happened in '99, right, 420. And um, I was in the building, but we had a very similar experience because when we evacuated, um, the you know that we had not returned until later that summer. So like this happened April 20th. We evacuated the building, got out of there, and and when we then the SWAT team came through and the FBI and whoever was doing the investigation, they investigated. And um, I remember at the time I was in a computer lab and I was in track, and so I had like a Gatorade bottle that was kind of like my water bottle, and I had that sitting on the desk next to the computer and had my backpack and whatever else I had, like my pen and pencil or paper. And when we were welcome, when we were allowed to go back in to get our possessions. And how long, like how many, how many days had transpired or weeks? It was, it was several months. I think it months. happened in June or July. Yeah. I don't remember exactly now, but I think it was maybe in July. It was still during summer recess that they cleared everything and the investigation wrapped up and we were allowed to go back into the building. And so, yeah, they had kind of had this thing staged where we could come in and I went back into the room that I was in and it was fucking just eerie because everything was, was still there. Like the bottle was still there. The back, the backpack just had a pink ribbon tied to it, basically meaning that they swept it for any kind of bombs or any materials. And it was, and it was, you know, they scanned it, but it was the, it was the most eerie experience to even be gone for a few months and then be transported right back to that day and be like, Holy shit, man, like nothing. They didn't, they didn't lift a thing. Right. It was this very, very strange experience, especially something like that, where, you know, like tons of people are through there all the time. Yeah. And yeah, nothing changed in a span of months. Yeah. And, and I didn't go down there uh, in the cafeteria. I think at that point they probably had cleaned up certain areas because that's where a lot of the like that's where a lot of the, you know, incident occurred was down there and in the library. But like I know for a fact, like for weeks, like the lunch, you could see through the windows, like people that had like, you know, long range cameras and could zoom in and stuff like all the lunches were still left on the table and all oh, that wow. shit, you know, like it was just a very eerie experience. Yeah, that would be that would be something to walk into. Yeah. So, yeah. Side note, but it's similar, just a creepy thing. Yeah, yeah. Very similar experience. Yeah. So very bizarre. Right. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend. I'm, like I said, I'm two and a half episodes in. I think there's about six episodes in the series um so it, to your point exactly like you said it, it's something you definitely have to be in the mood for and be ready for because right. it's, it's definitely pretty heavy yeah um but really really well done excellent man uh we have about uh, five minutes you want to talk about this bad boy so yeah Some we quick can highlight yeah let's go ahead let me hold it up to the camera if you can see it i don't know if it'll show up there so you got me kind of uh, uh interested in this a little bit because you 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 have another book that you're reading besides this one um, and it kind of got me interested in, in thinking a little bit about I should kind of do a little bit more reading myself. And um, so I'll let you talk about your book a little bit before we go down this rabbit hole. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm getting into a little bit of uh, uh, for we'll get into this more later, but I've been on a, on a kind of a leadership kick and, and more of a motivational bent lately. And so trying to find some some materials to um, to go over. And I and uh, my my good friend. Will Fortune, I'll give him a shout uh, on the on the cast. Um, he sent me this link to this book. It's called Legacy, and it's about he's a big rugby guy. He's been he's he played rugby, he coaches rugby, um, and rugby has been a big part of his life. And I know one thing about rugby: it's it's like 
um, you know, the this, this South Africa and New Zealand is like the big rivalry. And, and New Zealand is arguably one of the most uh, winning teams in all of sports history across anything. I mean, they have like something ridiculous, like an 86% win ratio across their whole franchise. Um, and they're just dominant. Is that the All Blacks? The All Blacks, yeah. yeah. The New Zealand All Blacks. And so the book is called Legacy, What the All Blacks Can Teach Us About the Business of Life. And I just got started, but this is a really uh, great book by James Kerr. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm getting into it. I mean, right now it's very early on, so I can't talk a whole lot about it. But it talks a lot just about the small things that they do. And so for an example, like when they're traveling on the road and they show up and they're kind of in this locker room or this shit they said it was the shed you know i don't know like that's just slang or if they're actually in the fucking shed like on the side of the facility or what but basically like they're they're in there at halftime kind of doing their the coaches are going over things and they're talking to them about what they're going to do and before they go back out on the field uh the guys like the captain and a few of the other guys like they actually grab a broom and they sweep up like all the bandages and all the stuff and they clean up after themselves and the whole thing for them is really about like doing the small things to really achieve a level of success um, it's about character development and, um, and, and doing those small habits like that as a reminder of like, Hey, like it's a character thing. And so we're going to go through and clean up after ourselves. And we're going to leave the place better than it was when we came in. And so that was just one, one scratch on the surface there, but I'm excited to see what the other principles are and some of the other things that they do to make them successful champions. I love that. I think that's a, a good point too. And I think I live by that. You know, you're never too big to, to do any of the work, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I hate this and I love it at the same time, right? I'm a Midwest guy and there's the Midwest work ethic, right? Which is bullshit because everybody has a good work ethic, like, that, you know, anywhere in the world. But, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you're not, you're willing to get dirty and willing to get down and help people and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to get at. Yeah, so that's, that's right. A great message. Yeah, it's it's an attitude that you you don't forget uh, and you're never too big to do the to do the small things or to get your hands dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I'm going to have to check out on that one. Um, don't know how much time we have to talk about the dare to lead book. And maybe, maybe we hold on to that one and we kind of couple that with, <laughs> with the, uh, main topic here that we punted now on yeah. two, two weeks in a row. Yeah. Our leadership topic we're going to yeah. talk about. Cause that, that's exactly what that, that inspires as, as well as your book, but yeah, it does. But I, I like this and all I'll say is that Brene, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown daring greatly um what's the other one she's got a few uh yeah several in the same kind of vein but really just about um vulnerability and so i'm excited to get into this one this is uh, a lot of the same themes pop up that i've heard from her ted talk and some of the other things but this is um geared towards like the corporate environment and and, and business leadership so i think this is an exciting time for for you and, and me and and you know we have this topic that we want to talk about that we keep kind of punting on on leadership in general and 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 what 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 it does when you lose a leader in the organization. Yeah. Uh, we have leadership books. So it's kind of a common thread. And I think we're all, all we're kind of living it together. And I think it's going to be a pretty fun little ride and a lot of stuff to talk about here in the future. So damn skippy, buddy. Yeah, I love it. Any, uh, we probably need to wrap it up. So you were pretty quiet. I feel bad about this. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. He had a beer. He had some Skittles. He did. He, he got, got a couple margaritas. A couple margs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be a continuing conversation with you, though. I mean, we got you online, and I'm glad you could come down here. And I oh, want to hear can. more about uh, more about some of your experiences because I was telling some people I saw Bully earlier, and I was just mentioning that you were going to be on, and and uh, I said, you know, I think he's he's uh, got some really uh, unique experiences that I really want to hear more about. 
just from your military time to your air, air, airline mechanics and whatnot? Y- unique would probably be the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we had a good talk yesterday. We were grabbing beers after work, and uh, it was really nice to hear some of that stuff. So we'll have to bring some more stories onto the cast. Yeah. Any final words before we close up? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'll try to make it back out at some point. It won't be a free flight again, though. <laughs> well, that's all right. You'll be making the big bucks then. It's all good. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, our artwork is provided by Yerne. Check out his awesome illustrations at www.coffeecodecast.com slash gentle giant. Check out our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter or email us at coffeecodecast at gmail.com. Podcast is available from iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Radio Public, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And you can find all this and more on our website at www.coffeecodecast.com. If you like the show, jump over to coffeecodecast.com slash review and help us out with a quick note, a rating, or a few words of uh, encouragement, improvement. We'll take it all. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And uh, for your Lester learning moment, please don't text and drive. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody.